welcome to the latest episode of Photography Insights. I'm your host Andrew Walmsley and this is a show that interviews people from the world of photography. Today I take you to America with our featured artist Kathleen Dreyer. Kathleen was introduced by Jonah, who is another lovely soul from Tucson, Arizona, who is well known for her corporate work until recently. Covid well and truly had a large impact on her life, and now she's embraced the world of projects. You will hear us talk about her work involving frontline workers during COVID, but we also tackle other issues and talk about race in their country through her Voices of Race feature. Like Kathleen says, sometimes it's about looking in and not just out. It's a thoughtful and engaging body of work she has undertaken and seems like it may end up being a very long term thing for her. Now Kathleen has been featured in press and media all over now and I've included a link um, in the show notes for you and it's something we discuss Uh, and it's something she's using to educate others about this time for change. So please do look at her Facebook page Um, which is now a core place for everything related to this body of work. And she's doing her best to help others in a lovely and respectful way. So in this one we're going to discuss parenting, workshops, portraiture, Covid, being present, self-portraiture, white history and a need for art. Now there's quite a few things in the show that stood out. but a few words that really did um, have some meaning during our time together included this little quote Learning as a white person, we are part of the puzzle, the problem and the solution And I'm sure you'll pick that up um, during the show, so I hope you do enjoy that And obviously there are links to her Facebook page, her Instagram and website for you all to check out before I move you on to the show obviously I'd like to thank the friends of the show as always we have uh, Film Death for your film developer needs we have Chroma Camera and his large format, medium format and accessories and obviously Static Age for their lovely and affordable zines and talking of zines please don't forget um, I've now launched the last few um, copies of the zine with some handmade prints by myself um, I've just put them up at £10 with UK delivery uh, it's a little bit more for worldwide uh, it's basically a one time arrangement uh, and I won't be doing prints at this low price point again so uh, I hope you enjoy there's a bit of variety there um, so uh, please do check that out and I have been writing again so for anyone who wants to look at the website, so remember that's flogger.co.uk, P-H-L-O-G-G-E-R.co.uk, you'll see my article on my first time shooting slide film. So it's very interesting, I was very excited to do it. Um, we're going back maybe two years, maybe a year and a half now, and um, it's not that long ago I got them developed. So uh, yeah, I hope you do enjoy that. And let's move you on to the show with our lovely guest, Kathleen. 
welcome to the show, Kathleen. How are you? I'm well. Thank you so much, Andy, for for having me on your podcast. I really appreciate it. No, uh, pleasure's all mine. Uh, it's been great um, talking to you through email, and um, it's been great learning uh, a little bit about you. And the last thing, obviously, uh, you sent through was um, a little bit of fame in local news, isn't it? Um, that was really nice to see on the cold news 13. It was a surprise. It was yeah. absolutely a surprise. I, I was not expecting uh, to be interviewed by two local stations in one week uh, that uh, got wind of the work that I am doing. It was a great honor uh, to have the work featured and to have it mm. broadcasted. It looked um, quite professional and um, respectful of your work as well, actually. They were, and, and each reporter approached their questioning in uh, different ways. One reporter focused, um, I think, primarily on the Black communities that mm -hmm. I've been photographing, and then the other reporter covered more of the diverse range of my intention and effort with the current body of work. Yeah. No, no, that's nice. I think it's, um, I think it's a really great thing because they're only going to help you, like raise awareness of um, the people you take photos of. Isn't it? It's not you're part of the puzzle, are you? But it's it's mainly about others, isn't it? It's it is. I am part of the puzzle, and I'm also part of the problem, and I'm part of the solution. <laughs> Right. I mean, I'm yeah. all of those things as a white person. Yeah. And um, uh, so I started this series on race to address um, some of those issues. But it, it, it didn't begin that way. You know, it began with a completely different focus uh, back in March of 2020. It's been this mm -hmm. evolutionary process, as I mentioned to you. Uh, and an unfoldment each step of the way that each 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 aspect of the development is completely unexpected. It's like not planned, and mm. and it's been a remarkable journey uh, to to be where I am right now, and to realize even after all, all I've accomplished in the last 14, 15 months, I'm actually just beginning, literally just beginning to yeah. to go to the uh, where I need to be going with this work oh without a doubt I mean if you look forward um if you could look forward five years ten years it's going to be amazing what changes you're going to see because if you think of people like uh, mutual people we know like Janine and people like that uh -huh. some of their projects are decades and you know years right right and so um in fact I had uh, I I had mentioned to you when we were talking offline that I had attended some portfolio reviews back uh -huh. in early April, and I received invaluable feedback from these eight different reviewers, and uh, one of the reviewers was very straightforward. She said, um, "Look, what you're doing is great. Not not." Anybody is doing this sort of work on race at this particular time. Um, however, it's the in thing right now. 
It's everybody's addressing something related to race. And where are you going to be in a year? Where uh, okay. are the people that you're featuring? Where are they going to be in three years? Uh, yeah. wh- how, how are the white folks that you're photographing? How, is, how will they be developing or changing? Or will they be just resorting back to their old habits? And mm-hmm. I took her feedback as it was intended. I, I think it was intended as a call of action. And it, it underscored for me that this is an ongoing body of work that will take me many, many years. And it's going mm-hmm. to have, and if the last year has taught me anything is it's going to be evolving in ways that are a combination of my intention versus the opportunity that comes in when I'm not <laughs> even expecting it just yep. because I'm in the flow of the connection of people being touched by the work in some way. And I mean, a perfect example is, you know, Jonah saying, hey, there's this woman named Kathleen and she's doing this work for the last year, you know, reaching out to you and telling you about what I'm doing um, or about somehow these folks with um, uh, KOLD and KGUN9 News here in Tucson, Arizona, that reached out to me and said, hey, we want to do a feature. And it's like, you mm. do? Wow, that's cool. And mm. so I, 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 I look at it when, I mean, I do a lot of door knocking, but what I really pay attention to is when people come knocking on my metaphysical door. Mm. Then, then I realize that there's something important going on, right? And so, mm. yeah. No, no, I think yeah. it can be another powerful story and I think you're right this can't just be a fashion type thing for all of us and a a fleeting thing because that's what the media and um, the news is all about isn't it but photography is not really like that Um, we might go through stages of shooting in a certain style and, and a certain object but it's here for a long time because otherwise What's the point in taking the image? Exactly. Right. And, uh, you know, as far as racism, you know, it, it, um, it didn't happen with George Floyd's murder. Like that isn't the first of it. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's uncovering that this is hundreds and hundreds of years in the making in the United States. And yes, there are different aspects of racism or classism uh, happening all over the world. But all I can do is work within the um, circle of, as they say, the circle of influence where I find myself, which is right Mm -hmm. now in Tucson, Arizona. And it, um, and it, it's been, again, I'll, I'll use the phrase, uh, probably more than once, uh, an evolutionary process of asking questions and listening when people are willing to give me feedback. Um, and each step of the way, you know, it has evolved. It's been like this building block based upon a, a marriage of my actions and what happens external to me as well as my response to those external pieces of feedback or actions mm-hmm. in our community. 
Um, and that's how any body of work is. And I, as a documentary photographer, I am always interested in creating images that do last, that a person reflects upon the image and the meaning behind the image and the importance of the image for the time in which it was taken or for who is present in the image that mm. that was uh that i took so yeah it's it's such an important subject and in a way covid might have done us a little favor and reignited some flames and hopefully we're going to use that for the good and you know bring this out and talk about it more and long term isn't it i you know it, it's almost like how i've described it is it's been accidental and incidental right yeah. everything that's happened right and so mm -hmm. um like for your for your listening audience just to um, you know, I can just kind of describe like how that happened, right? Prior to the pandemic, um, I was making my living as a portrait and event photographer, and my particular wheelhouse was doing multi-day corporate events. Um, when the pandemic hit, inside of three days, I lost all of my paid work for 2020, like busted, right? And so like everybody else, you know, I was reeling in shock, like, what the heck am I going to do? Yeah. Fortunately, I had some savings from my, my regular job that I had left a couple years earlier. I have a background as a social worker. So I mm -hmm. knew I had enough savings to, if I was frugal, to hold me over for a while. And so I'm, I'm never one to just kind of sit around. And I'm, um, I recalled a workshop that I took some years ago uh, from uh, a photographer, his name is Matthew Jordan Smith. And during the workshop, he spoke about the importance as a photographer to always work, always do personal work, especially when there isn't paid work, to always yeah. work on personal projects in between paid work as a way to stay inspired and mm -hmm. to stay fluid and to keep learning. And I always took that advice to heart. I think I heard that advice for the first time uh, in 2013 at this okay. workshop. And I immediately set about my first series called Bus Stop Dreams, where I took portraits of people on the bus stops. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and using the bus as a metaphor that we're all in this together right? This mm. thing called life. And so I remembered that when I lost all my jobs uh, in March of last year, and it took me a few weeks to figure it out. And I thought about being a social worker. When I was a social worker, frontline workers, they are stunted. They are not allowed to talk about the reality of the situation. And so they, um, I thought about it. Well, now that I'm no longer a social worker, I can open up the doors to other people who are frontline workers from other industries. And if they want to express themselves, they can. And so I reached out to some frontline workers that I knew and it just grew. And before I knew it, I took the portraits of 90 frontline and essential workers, first responders. So doctors, nurses, educators, paramedics, um, plumbers, uh, 
boy, you name it, right? Any uh, social workers, um, uh, folks that run um, elderly homes, and they wrote statements. I took their portraits outside, you know, following COVID standards, um, was masked. And uh, I was very committed from the get-go, which has sustained me throughout all of the work up to current time, to not formally interview anyone. I was really determined that all I wanted to do was share my platforms because I knew that people followed my work and that uh, I could just create a space and the person could write whatever they wanted to. I was very committed to not censoring. And I found that giving people an opportunity to and the time to write their statement, they poured a lot of energy and thought into what they Mm. wanted to say. And so fast forward to after George Floyd was murdered in Minneapolis here in the States, um, I went to a vigil uh, at one of our local facilities here, which was unusual for me because the pandemic was very high at that time. And I was very Hmm. cautious going into any crowd, but I was compelled. I was just absolutely driven that I must go to it. Don't know Hmm. why. But I've long since followed that instinct, right? That's what we do as photographers, right? We have the strong instinct. There was a lot of things that happened at the vigil. It was led by a group of young Black leaders. At the end of the vigil, a, a, a group not associated with the organizers of this event commandeered the stage without permission. And they were shouting to the departing crowd that the peaceful way is not the way to go, that the police must be abolished, that um, you kind of have to fight fire with fire, which was shocking to me. That along with the contrast of the peacefulness that just happened Um, And then I saw on the back of somebody's shirt, just uh, the words, ally is a verb. So all of this cacophony of impressions, visual and auditory impressions, shock something awake in me. I mean, at the time I was just um, shy of my fifth, uh, just shy of my 60th birthday. And even though I raised a black son as a single mother, I had never given thought to the fact that there were so many different perspectives within the black community about what the issues are and how to address them. Like I was embarrassed, I've never even considered that. And it's like, as, and I thought, man, I better consider that. And so that's when the, the COVID series kind of, um, morphed into uh, photographing our black community members. I was following the same procedure that I did, all of the techniques that I did with the frontline workers, all the portraits outside, for example, not asking any leading questions, giving simply Mm -hmm. a writing prompt. And so um, I began that series. And then in September of 2020, again, I never set out to do one series, but then here it just built one upon the other. And I was just following, you know, you, we follow that thread. We're guided. If we listen, we just, we follow it. And um, so a black friend who's a businessman, a coach uh, and a leader in our community and an, um, uh, an advocate and an activist he was going to participate in my, my Black Voices series, and he pulled back. 
in, in early September, he says, I changed my mind. I'm not going to participate. And, and his name is Michael, Michael Tackler. I always give him proper respect every time I get a chance to mention this because it's because of him hmm. that the needle got changed again, right? The compass got changed. Hmm. He had said to me, he said, look, you know, as a white woman and as an artist, you have a greater responsibility right now. You know, as a black person, my people, this is him speaking, we have been explaining our worth for hundreds of years. And it's yeah. time for you to turn the camera on yourself and other white people. What are you doing to be social change agents? So that's when I began wow. to photograph our white community. And with them, with people with my skin tone, I was more direct. I would say, you know, like, what are your reflections on racism? What are your self-observations? What are you doing right now to address racism? You know, so it was a much more pointed, uh, it was a much narrower question rather than an open-ended writing prompt. And so I started that series. Um, so by, at this time then, so I was still covering the frontline workers, our black community, and then our white community. And I had yeah. done approximately 170 portraits, uh, leading 180 moving forward to about April of this year. Mm -hmm. And at that point, the murders occurred in Atlanta of the Asian women. And I got contacted, I did not initiate this contact um, that uh, by the uh, AAPI community, the Asian Pacific Islander com community um, that asked me if they could also be included, if I would come and take their portraits. Wow. So I, again, you know, like what started off as this kind of accident, right? Like the pandemic happened, hmm. evolved into what appears to be now this overarching body of work that I am now referring to as voices of race. And what it, it appears to be this, what will be, even though I photographed 200 people so far, I'm just a neophyte. I'm just beginning. Like yeah. I realize that this is a multi-year project. There are, based on um, feedback that I've received from reviewers, industry experts that have reviewed the work, I see now that this is going to be going on for, for multiple years. That, uh, you know, I have aspirations to have um, a multifaceted um, interactive website, for example. And now I'm taking portraits of people of any ethnicity and and uh, having and, and again still being quite pointed with white folks about their current re reflections and their current action steps yeah. where anyone who identifies as any other ethnicity can share whatever they like so the work continues and, and here we are you know may 20th you know 2021 hmm. i have uh two portraits to take today i i've taken six others this week and the work continues um in this uh largely self-funded body of work as hmm. uh that uh that seems to be important and i'm i'm, I'm hopeful that it serves something you know bigger uh and that it, it, it affects people and that people, uh, 
change, you know? And what I'm finding is there are, there are different degrees of it, right? People, particularly amongst the white folks, that there are different degrees of participating. The white people that I have photographed, we are still playing it safe. We're talking about things that we realize from our past. We're not talking about current things that we're struggling with right now. Like I just, right before you and I met today, I had a long conversation with a white woman who is in um, uh, a visible position in the community here. Mm -hmm. And she is really struggling with what to say. Um, which is very, very common, right? Like she's, she's, she's having all of this growing awareness about her implicit bias, yeah. but she is afraid to make a mistake to articulate what's going on. Yeah. And therein is the um, illusion, right? It's not a mistake, it's fear. I, I think it's shame. We're ashamed because we're starting to wake up, us white mm. people, at least those of us that are willing to, to realize, holy cow, our education has been whitewashed. We are the dominant culture and it, we created that separation. We created the concept of race and division and it's our job to dismantle that and unpack mm -hmm. it. And, and, uh, and so it, it starts with us and dealing with our own fragility and fear about facing our own biases and understanding just how subtle institutionalized racism is. Yeah, I mean, this is a massive subject. And, um, yeah, it is. It, it, it's unbelievable the effect it's had on your life. Because, I mean, if, if you think um, to say, you know, February or January last year, and someone said, oh, within the next few months, you're going to be shooting portraits. Um, about the black community or something, uh, and you're not going to have a normal job. You just said they're talking rubbish, aren't you? It, it absolutely was. Like I was on target for 2020. I had some major multi-day corporate events. I was going to make some good coin last year. Holy cow! <laughs> I was really looking forward to having uh, perhaps one of the highest-paying years of my photography career. I had lots of fabulous assignments on the books and all of that is gone and it's still gone right i mean i mean some industries have returned but as far as event photography that's still a ways off before that will return if yeah. ever to pre-pandemic levels i mean when's the next time we're going to have 1200 people in a conference room spending four days together eating food and you know coughing and sneezing on each other you know it's it's i think that's a ways off so mm -hmm. you know to circle back around to the question that you asked yes it's completely unexpected um and i think the blessing i mean i'm choosing i'm i'm actively proactively choosing to look at with gratitude what I've learned from the pandemic. I'm not yeah. the same person I was 14, 15 months ago. I'm just not. Yeah. I think differently. I behave differently. My, I have had to work every day on my mindset, every mm. day. Like I recognize now that 
it's really what goes on between my two, my heart's pretty straight. You know, like I know I got my heart attached correctly, but it's yeah. like what goes on between my earlobes that gets <laughs> really, gets really wonky and gets me in trouble. Right. And so I, I have to do, I have to be very vigilant, uh, diligent, about that and yeah. and have been and I feel like how I describe the pandemic and friends agree with me it's kind of like when we entered the pandemic it was like we're kind of like in this really weird wind tunnel and we uh -huh. are just being bashed from side to side and do you remember all the different layers of the pandemic how it rolled out and how oh, we God, responded yeah. to it and then it took a different direction and then how the government responded to it and everything kept shifting like the chess pieces kept moving and it's mm -hmm. like and we kept being put in check right and it's like we had to figure our way out of being backed into a corner right before we lose the game called our life and mm. and and so now it feels like i'm more at the i i don't feel like we're through completely through the other tunnel i think we're about two-thirds through the tunnel right the light's yeah. much brighter at the end of it but we're mm. not over yet you know we still have a lot of different aspects uh to recover and and reflect and so it is, to me, it is helping me to, to be thankful for what I have learned from hmm. the pandemic. And it's uh, having a space of being grateful has, I think, created an, uh, a spaciousness for, for the unknown to occur, you know, for, for things to happen. Like, I think if I was feeling you know, really depressed and down in the dumps and just kind of not focusing on this social change, what I call social change photography, you know, the <laughs> phone wouldn't be ringing, you know, yeah. that you wouldn't be contact, you wouldn't, have, Jonah wouldn't have thought to say, hey, I know this woman in, in Tucson, <laughs> Arizona, in the U.S. that's doing work on race. Um, it's, I, I've also been contacted by our university here and some potential collaborations are about to happen. So there are unexpected blessings that occur if one is just dedicatedly doing what feels like the right action. And I yeah. think that that's one of the biggest lessons that I've learned over the course of the last year. Just stay positive, um, stay focused, and you know the rest will take care of itself and and mm. if it doesn't i will readjust you know <laughs> yeah. and readjust i have had to do right many times <laughs> many 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 times so yeah yeah you're used to it yeah. i mean one thing i do need to say though kathleen is i hope you're proud of yourself as well because it's important part i think of your work to be recognize that it is important work um whether it's based on your area or, or not I, I still think it's a really really positive thing you're doing thank you i i am a person and i think there are many of us photographers um that are riddled with self-doubt um yeah. uh, i i am one of those um <laughs> i i definitely tend to um, uh, be very, very hard on myself and, and doubt often what I'm doing. And 
So I work hard to stay positive. You know, like I have a meditation practice, for example, you know, I take good Mm -hmm. care of my health. I exercise, you know, I do what I can to be healthy in all ways, physical, mental, spiritual, that sort of thing. And one of the first signs to me that, I mean, in addition to people privately or publicly thanking me and saying that they're moved by the work that I'm, that I'm doing, they're moved by the words that they're reading of the people mm-hmm. that I'm featuring, uh, a substantial occurrence occurred in March. I was nominated and received, I was one of five women recipients of a finer womanhood community service award, which was granted by a local chapter of the Seda Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated, which is an international sorority of over 100,000 black women. Wow. And to, I'm getting, I'm getting um, goosebumps right now, just (laughs) relaying it. And I'm feeling very emotional that That was completely unexpected. I did not expect that. I, it, it was affirmation for me that a group of this caliber, and they are all service-oriented women, remarkable professionals in every field, um, you know, doctors and IT people and psychologists and business women and to be acknowledged for the work that I was doing regarding their communities. It, I, I took it and I, I, I said this to them, I'm taking that with gratitude, I accept it with gratitude, but also a very direct call of action that yeah. like that keep going. Like that's what I heard when I re- when I received that award. Award. It was like, you are on target. You keep going, and um, and I I hope. I mean, I've told this to many people. Man, if I'm off base, just let me know. Man, help me. I'm doing the mm-hmm. best that I can. And if I, you know, help me stay in my lane. Help me. Help me. Um, uh, continue to educate myself about Mm. it and so um yeah i i am uh, my son is proud of me he he's my biggest cheerleader um and i'm i'm honored for the recognition that i received so far um but i wasn't in it for the recognition it was more so duty right it's like hey i i have something that i'm able to do i can take i can take photographs right I have something that I can share, which are my platforms, my social media platforms. Hmm. And so it was a, and it was, you know, a calling from something that is greater than me personally, that said, okay, this is what you need to do. I mean, if, if the pandemic didn't happen and my reflection didn't happen, um, you know, I would still be just right now focusing on doing multi-day corporate events, yeah. which I still hope returns because I still have to pay the rent, right? Yeah. And, and yeah, put exactly, food yeah. in my belly. Um, mm-hmm. But in the meantime, you know, I'm just continuing to do the work. And, and it has, has had other effects, right? Like I, 
I taught, I had an opportunity to be a guest teacher for a fifth grade class. So for oh, about cool. six weeks, I led the, these fifth graders on how to do a photo essay. We just completed it last week. And it was an, an amazing learning opportunity for me. Like I'm, yeah. I, I don't consider myself a teacher. Um, however, based upon the experience that the pandemic had given me and taking over 200 portraits for this larger body of work gave me some meat on my bones. Like I had something that I could share. And uh, it felt, uh, it, was, it was very interesting to create a photo essay class virtually to fifth graders and to you know, hold their attention and make it engaging and, and show the importance of it, right? Because you know, as a photographer, right, every single photograph that we put out there, not only is it about the subject, not only is it about the composition, it says a whole lot about who we are individually as a photographer. Yeah. You know, and you know, people will tease me. It's like, Kathleen, you're never in any photos. And it's like, well, I'm not physically in every photo, yeah. most photos actually, um, but I'm actually present in every single one, right? You yeah, know, else I exactly. wouldn't have depressed the shutter, else I wouldn't have made that image uh, public unless a little piece of my soul isn't contained in there somewhere. Hmm. So. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of you. I, I've said that before, I think there's a lot of reflection in, um, yeah the way you photograph, how you present it, because you could edit in a different way as well. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, even choosing colours and, and things like that are important and how you frame it and whether you choose to put some words with it. Because any of our photos could have totally different meanings. Yes. I mean, you know, especially a portrait, couldn't it? It mm -hmm. can have no meaning to a lot of meaning to being a self-portraiture if no one knew what you look like. Mm -hmm. um, well, what I strive for, there's um, a teacher that I follow, his name is EJ Gold, and he does many, many things. One of the things that he does is fine art, painting. Mm -hmm. And he talks a lot about a, what he calls objective art, as opposed mm -hmm. to subjective art. Um, so objective art is, if you and I look at the same photograph, we get essentially the same message from that image. Mm -hmm. And as opposed to our overlay of opinions and perceptions and like, oh, I don't like the color scheme here or, oh, she was a little yeah. bit off center here or, she, oh, she clearly used the rule of three or uh, why didn't she use the rule? You know, like all of that, yeah. it, not all of that goes aside, right? And that the viewer, regardless of the viewer, regardless of the background, they pick up the essential essence of what, what is the meaning behind the portrait. And what, what I attempt to do is to create a portrait that is distinct to the individual and that the person takes the time to read the person's words in the subject who uh, and what they write about, what's important to them, and to look at their posture, their environment. Now with the pandemic, with most a lot of us being vaccinated, 
I've moved to taking portraits inside people's homes because mm -hmm. it gives one a lot more data about who the individual is and yeah. to really reflect on it um, about what what is going on for that person. So. Yeah, because I suppose it's more of an environmental portrait then as well, isn't it? It, it can be. So um, when, I, when I go into a person's home now, and this is a pretty new movement just in the last two weeks, two or three weeks, hmm. um, since I've been fully vaccinated and things like that, more people are vaccinated here. Um, we ident I identify with the person what is an important space for them. So yeah. uh, one example is um, the gentleman that I photographed this week and I just did his post, his name is Andres Alexander Portella III. Okay. And he, um, in his home, he, during the pandemic, he did a lot of remodeling and he's married and he's also running for one of our council positions. He's a black man, just mm -hmm. this wonderful human being. And when I was speaking to him, I did his portrait months ago, right? Way back in the beginning of doing Tucson Black Voices. And now I'm going back uh, to, I've extended an invitation to anyone who's participated, if they would like to participate again, and if they're comfortable, I would take their portrait in their home. And it's a beautiful, I think it's a beautiful portrait. He said that his space during the pandemic was on the floor in his kitchen, that he just <laughs> leaned up against his stove and on the floor with his laptop, and he just worked there. He just liked the comfort of his kitchen, right? The kitchen, which is often known as the heart of the home, right? Yeah. It's where we nourish our families, where we nourish ourselves, where we come together. And mm -hmm. um, so the portrait is of him in a very relaxed, uh, natural posture on the floor, leaning up against his oven uh, and me on the ground taking the portrait um, and it's a small kitchen, it's small and narrow. So the lines of the cupboards angle in and from the refrigerator and to the cabinets angle in as if they're going coming right into focus to him. Right. And it's, it's lovely. And, and it is about, he told me the space that hmm. showed who he was. So yeah. um, I prefer that because then the person that I'm photographing, they're engaged in the composition. Hmm. So it's my job as the, the photographer is to understand the energetics of what they want to convey in their own environment. Hmm. And it's a beautiful thing for you know, the person being willing, like being welcoming me into their home to take their portrait in their private space to trust me enough to do that. It's a Definitely. tremendous honor. It's just really, it's an absolute <laughs> honor uh, that people um, entrust me to, um, to do right by them. Right? Yeah. And, and I, I, I'm very grateful for that trust. I like that because that's, you know, in a normal situation, you might have uh, a look around someone's room and you might think that looks nice, this will suit you. Um, but to actually get involved to the sense where 
they're comfortable, then that that's a whole new level, I think, of partridge. It's a completely different thing. Yes, exactly. They become part of creating the composition. Because hmm. that must be more relaxing. Is, yes, yes. Yeah, and then, I mean, we may, and there's been a couple of times where the person says, well, I kind of like this area, and I kind of like this area, and I kind of like this area, and I'm like, hmm. well, let's do all three. And, yeah. and then, and then I'll, I'll um, reflect upon when I'm doing my, my post work, which one seems to energetically convey. And yeah. typically, it's the very first area that the person mentioned. It, it, you yeah. know, kind of that first thought, best thought. Yeah. So. Have you yeah, got one I, then? I, pardon me? Have you got an area in your house? Yes, I've actually taken two self-portraits. Um, okay. And so um, one of them is right here in this space where I am, but I was facing, uh, right now I'm looking northbound towards you, right? Mm -hmm. But I was facing westbound so that the viewer looking at the image could see the private part of me, which is all along this side of the wall that you can't see off screen, which mm -hmm. is filled with a calendar, pieces of art, a picture of my son, um, some exercise equipment, a whiteboard, you know, like mm -hmm. stuff that the public doesn't see, but is yeah. part of my work life. And then everything that's on my back wall, which is what everybody sees during Zoom, which yeah. are different portraits, um, the certificate for the award that I received, uh, you know, uh, a Buddha uh, statue, which is, you know, just part of my philosophy and to help me remember to stay um, centered. So the, the picture is kind of divided. The first portrait that I did is a division of who I am privately and who I am publicly. Hmm. And then the second portrait I did I was just like, okay, I need to go somewhere else in my house. So I took a picture of my, it was in my kitchen area and it was just a back shelf that had like pots and pans and my food staples. You know, it's all exposed, right? I'm in a small place. I don't have much storage. And I pulled up a chair next to me and one of my cats went in the chair. So it's a portrait of my cat and I looking into the camera. And, and so that one was fairly personal because you know, my cats are you know, a, a part of my household. And yeah. it's just a different perspective within my, my house that I chose for the second portrait. And it was a more vulnerable portrait because my statement was much more vulnerable, much more current of my reflections and insights about my own bias um, yeah. and things that I'm uncovering about myself. So I wanted the picture to have a little bit more stress and strain in it um, because I was recognizing something new in myself that was part of my own evolutionary process. So. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. It's, a, it's a really good approach. It's something I can maybe think about um, when I'm working with people and I'm trying to think of some ideas to do as a 
sort of self-portrait for myself. Yeah. I've never done it and I want to do something different and I want it to be personal. So I just keep writing ideas down from my past and uh, see if I can come up with any uh, thing for them sort of thing. But it's a tough one because I think self-portraiture is a whole new level. I think with anything, yeah, and, and I plan to continue to do self-portraits. And mm. I find that the creative process has its own timeline, yeah. right? It yeah, just exactly, has yeah. its own timeline. When I took the first portrait, it I mean, each, each of the portraits that I, each of the two self-portraits that I did, I was unconsciously contemplating it for a mm -hmm. while before the portrait occurred. And then it seemingly happens as if it was in an instant. Well, it isn't, right? It's a long process of contemplation and reflection, right? Yeah. And right now I have no idea what my next um, self-portrait will be. And mm -hmm. I think it will, it will evolve based upon the next obs observation that I have about yeah. an ignorance that I have or a bias that I have um, and allow that to be the um, guiding light. I actually even considered possibly doing um, video clips of portraits through video clips that might include movement, you know, other creative expressions that are part mm -hmm. visual, part sound, that may be part of this too, and have like a multimedia sort of self-portrait. So, but all that stuff kind of rattles around in the noggin, right, for a long <laughs> time before it becomes really clear. And then yeah. once, once you know it, you know it. And, yeah. and then you just, then you just, uh, then once you know it, then you have to act on it right away. Else it, uh, else it, it, it can find an escape route. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So one has, one has to be vigilant, right? It's like, if you work yeah. that hard to come up with the idea, you know, to execute it fairly quickly. Um, yeah. To honor uh, it. You're dead right. I either write it down. Um, so I have an app where I put all my notes um, yeah. and then, Obviously, I can do it around other things. Um, yeah. um, what I did at the weekend was uh, I had a few ideas for the dark room. So I wanted to try different ways of um, messing about with someone's eyes. And I was like, I was literally stood there with a negative, everything ready. And I was like, I don't have any idea how this is going to work. <laughs> and I yeah. was like, oh, my God this is too late. I'm already in the room now. I can't go get anything else. I've got to figure this stuff out. And um, I was trying to do the same set of eyes three times on the same sheet. And I was like, I don't know how to do this. So I just did what I thought. And it was pretty crap. Um, the work lined up straight and all this, but I learned one way not to do it. Exactly. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we learn lots of ways of not doing it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or, or there could be this other thing, like at nighttime, I'm processing images, right? 
And I'm in the flow and I'm just thinking I'm all that and a bag of chips and all oh, this work is so good and all of this. And then the next morning I look at it and it's like, oh my God, what was I thinking? Right. And it's all <laughs> awful. Right. I have to start completely over. And, and that's okay. You know, I, I mean, I, I, I take it as a sign of, you know, like always having beginner's mind and being, um, self-aware enough and and to keep uh any you know there's a difference between self-doubt and objective self-reflection right mm, so yeah. and and so i strive to have that objective self-analyzing of what's going on self-reflection and adjust mm -hmm. accordingly without shame right yeah. without without shame because that doesn't do that doesn't do anyone it doesn't you know, it doesn't make one better um no don't know to get down in the dumps just like mm. oh oh that didn't work and have some humor about it and and then move on so exactly because it's all part of the learning process um it's yeah. like i said to people i've never been in um, photography education before i've learned stuff by doing and through friends and things like that so I've come to dark room work, work, I think, late in life and probably the wrong generation in some ways. So, you know, in the 80s and 90s, there was a lot of paper around. There's lots and lots of choice. And now we're, we're stuck with certain equipment. Um, but I think we have good attitudes now that we try stuff, we mess about with things, and maybe they didn't do so much of that. Um, before mm -hmm. so you know it's not a bad thing no it's not no in fact I plan to spend some time this summer learning more techniques about post work yeah. right yeah yeah um yeah in in fact I told one friend who's who's uh really good at photoshop and I consider myself a neophyte at photoshop <laughs> Um, you know, that I'd like to hire him to, you know, just help me uh, increase my skills in some areas so I can yeah. add yeah. more to the photographs. I'm not big on manipulation. You know, in fact, mm. I mean, as a documentary photographer, we don't want to be doing that. We really want to no. show what's there. And mm. um, uh, so that part I, I remain pretty faithful to. Uh, mm. But it's also good to have... Um, uh, to keep increasing the skills for those, you know, actual paid work that that might be useful or helpful yeah. to do. So, yeah, exactly. I think it's been a good time um, to do things like that. And, you know, we've got to think that there's so many people that have needed the arts, haven't they, in the last 15 months and yeah. have relied on it that I, for one, I've never thought about how important it was. And, you know, in previous years and decades, I'd be like, yeah, cut arts funding, because what are they actually doing? But now I'm more involved in it. I feel like actually it's really important. It absolutely is. And I was astonished throughout the pandemic. I mean, my, my connection to the world was this screen here right yeah uh, and to 
uh, because most of us, you know, did what we needed to do and stayed home, you know, and, you know, kept ourselves safe, our family safe and our community safe. Um, but so many artists of all different disciplines took their art online and mm. from, you know, kind of concrete stuff like leading an exercise class to mm. painting online. Um, I took a class from Kate Brakey, learning how to um, use color pencil and pastels on photographs, which is another skill set that I want to develop Ooh, and add, yeah. uh, you know, kind of like my repertoire of what I'm doing. Hmm. Um, uh, cooking classes, theater. Oh. I saw live theater and and uh, in comedy improv. Uh, people were music, live concerts. I mean, there was just so <laughs> much wonderful things. You know, I mentioned George Nobeci. He he did um, a program, Evenings with the Masters, where for every week for 15 weeks, two sets, you know, we were exposed to these amazing photographers doing all different sorts of subjects in their work and learning mm -hmm. about their techniques. Um, so it was the pandemic, if one chose it to be, consciously chose it, was a very culturally enriching period. Um, I had the good fortune to have my Black Voices series selected to be included in an online exhibit uh, for our local uh, University of Arizona here in mm -hmm. Tucson. And it was called Changing Perspectives 2020, A Community Reflects. And what I liked about what they, what the jurors did, nobody was ruled out. It was anybody who wanted to show their art could show their art. Now there was a limited in quantity, like maybe three pieces per artist. Okay. But I think there was something like 200, over 200, 250 entries. Wow. So you got, you got and, and it's not very often that you get an art exhibit like that, right? There might be, no. you know, from a solo or a small group exhibit, but here was well over 200 um, artists of all different mediums showing work that they produced during the pandemic. And I remember somebody saying way back in the beginning of the pandemic, I just, it was just some arbitrary comment on Facebook about, well, I can't wait to see what the artists come up with over <laughs> while this is going on. Because of, you know, a crisis of some sort can often create the necessity for creativity as a yeah. coping mechanism. And that creativity can lead to a completely different shift in perception, as well as not only that, but like in my case, it's a perfect example. It completely mm. has shifted my attention and where it mm. appears that I need to be pouring my energy right now. Uh, so yeah, there, there is an opportunity in, in any sort of hardship. And, and I try to look for that, you know, in my, in my better, in my, in my better self, you know, I'm able to find it. Right. <laughs> yeah. So. No, that's cool. Um, so it was scary stuff. Um, yeah. But, yeah, know. it's, it's all, 
Yeah. <laughs> the walk in the unknown, you know, yeah. it's, it's a tough one. I mean, and that is re- still a very, very real thing for me. It's, it's mm-hmm. very present right now. You know, I don't, I, I have one tentative page paying job on the book two two tentative paying jobs, one about mm-hmm. a month out and one in the fall. Uh, but beyond that, it's, it's a pretty blank uh, calendar, right? So I'm doing yeah. things like I'm applying for grants, you know, to support the work that I'm doing. You know, I started a Patreon page. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm actually actively starting to ask people, hey, do you know anybody who might want to sponsor the work that I'm doing? So mm-hmm. I'm getting more courageous in, in asking, right? Just kind yeah. of, who do you know who might be? right, you know, interested in this sort of work, and not necessarily to support my work, but they're doing a similar piece of work, and what I'm doing naturally fits in with what they're doing. So, you know, just what are the collaborations that are out there that I don't need, potential collaborations that I don't even know about yet? So I just kind of, you know, keep tossing that line out there, right? Seeing what <laughs> happens. And, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, and what I find is the more, and I don't know if you find this as a photographer, the more that you just stay the course and do your work, the other opportunities that were meant to come to you come to you. Like somehow mm-hmm. they come out of a different direction and you didn't even know that you were looking for that. But it's like, oh, that's exactly what I need right now. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I like that synchronicity. I like that when that happens. So, yeah. So. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, there's been some nice things happen um, because obviously no one knows me and um, no one's seen all my work. And you're like, I spend more time talking about other people's work than my own. So it's been really good recently that I've found time because of COVID. Mm-hmm. to actually put something together and you know my first scene went out and mm-hmm. um, that got published and sold out straight away which was great um, and I just think wow I- I've done my first step now yeah which is I, I mean it's amazing um, and I've just put a, a couple of um, my mate sent me a few of the zines as spare and just said do what you want with them mm-hmm. um and then when he saw that I said well what I'll do is I'll do some prints and I'll sell them with you know handmade prints so I had no idea what to do I've never used PayPal to sell so I'd sort all that out last night and get out of my website uh, no time to test it and I've sold two today which is really cool and, <laughs> yeah <laughs> and I put a handwritten letter in just to say thank you Um, yeah I'm starting to do handwriting things again now it's a a nearly lost art form it's so important yeah Mm. well I write so little um what writes isn't what's coming out my head and I make so many spelling mistakes and my hand don't finish writing and you're like I'm so out of practice yeah I literally do not write at all I haven't wrote in a year. There is no need in my industry to use a pen. So (laughs) it's been weird. (laughs) But I enjoy that. That's why I love analogue photography. 
Yeah. I'm, I'm away from technology. It's great. Well, we should have a show where we're interviewing you about your work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you should have a guest host to interview you about your own work. Yeah. That would be cool. So, yeah. Yeah. Maybe yeah. do that for a special one. I've got an idea I want to do with someone. Um, anyway, but so uh, I think we're through the formal part of the uh, interview there, Kathleen. Um, what we do need to tell everybody is where they can check your uh, amazing work out online. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. So I do have a website uh, and it's KathleenDryer.com. And so uh, I can spell that out if you want me to. Sure, yeah, or, yeah. Okay, so it's K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N-D as in David, R-E-I-E-R.com. And I know that's weird. There's three vowels in dryer, uh, <laughs> German for three. Um, so KathleenDryer.com. You can also find me on Instagram, Kathleen Dreyer Photo, uh, uh, on Facebook by my name. And when you find me by my name, you'll see all of my other pages, including my dedicated page, Voices of Race. I'm also on LinkedIn. So kind of all the platforms, I'm, I'm there. So, yeah. No, that's cool. No, thank you for that. And obviously the... The last question I always ask everybody is uh, a recommend for the future. Um, someone maybe I can look at for interviewing or just doing really good work and you want me to check out their work sort of thing. Yes, there are many, many photographers that come <laughs> to mind. Um, the first person that I would recommend is Alana Aratam. She is a woman here in Tucson who is a fine art photographer who takes portraits within her black community, mm -hmm. re-envisioning the Renaissance through the black's eyes, the black viewpoint. And it's astonishing, powerful, moving work. Another person that I would recommend is George Nobechi, who is uh, living in Japan, in Tokyo. And he is a fine art photographer that has an astonishing body of work about stillness, still mm -hmm. moments. And so all of his um, uh, images are a pause for reflection from our busy life, just taking the time to absorb the scene before us. And on top of that, he has done incredible community service during the pandemic. He's pulled together photographers from all different expertise um, as a way to not only educate you know, fans of photography of all different styles, but uh, each of the guest photographers had a dedicated organization that they were donating money to for to deal with COVID-19 relief efforts. And okay. so George has a very strong humanitarian heart of giving back. So he's also a, a wonderful person to feature. Hmm. So, and many, many, I could give you dozens of names of people that I <laughs> admire and look up to. Some you already know and, and uh, others also. So. No. 
yeah thank you Catherine that's very very You're useful welcome. so all I can say is um thank you so much for coming on it's been an absolute pleasure learning about how you've changed and what you're doing for your community um, I've really enjoyed it thank you Andy it's been an honor to be on your podcast and and it's uh it helps me learn how to articulate what I'm doing. Hmm. You know, it's, 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 um, <laughs> and I really appreciate the opportunity to share the work that I'm doing. No, and I wish you and all your viewers the best. Thank you so much. Listeners, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey all I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to that episode. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed um, interviewing. Please don't forget if you want to get involved, I'm starting to put out there on social media uh, the list of guests for that week. You are welcome to submit any questions you want to ask and uh, hopefully I'll read them out for you. Whether you want to do that through Instagram um, direct message you can just click if you click on the direct message bit uh, there's a button there and you can record and send that right across uh, but there's many apps you can do or email me or send me a dm on facebook instagram whatever that's cool with me for those of you who want to support the show please don't forget uh, itunes reviews are always appreciated and obviously i will read them out uh, the following week for you and I tend to use them on social media so that's all very much appreciated if you'd like to help contribute towards the show then don't forget there's my coffee page where you can submit anything from one dollar a pound or upwards and I'll keep a note on there what I'm trying to achieve um, as the months and years go by for those who want to keep coming back to the show don't forget you can just subscribe in your friendly podcast app of choice and there's a weekly newsletter on my website flogger.co.uk so that's p-h-l-o-g-g-e-r and you'll get an automated email from me and that tells you each week uh, what's gone up on the website so it's the podcasts and any articles I've wrote so yeah thank you so much and I'll see you again soon. Bye.